as my custom is, the first thing I would like to do is to read the text of the confession in your hearing, and then we'll begin to look at the biblical references that are attached to the confessions. And the reason for the biblical references is that so that you can stand in the authority and the integrity of the word of God so that your, your, your confidence is not resting on philosophies or deductions of men, that your confidence will rest on the integrity and the authority, the final authority of the Holy Scriptures. Whatever is written down in any confessions, whether it's ancient or modern, if it does not correspond, if it does not have his roots, his foundation from the scriptures, uh, cannot be trusted. Cannot be trusted. No matter how flamboyant, no matter how good, no matter how laudable, if it is not biblical, it should not be believed. It should not be taken seriously. I'm talking about issues that relate to the worship of God, the glory of God, uh, the nature of man, uh, our sinfulness, the way of salvation, and how we ought to live our life, lives here on earth. Uh, you, we have to go back to the scriptures. Our, how to conduct ourselves as believers, how to conduct the church of God. We have to rest completely on the holy scriptures. We don't have our own idea. Our own personal opinion does not count when you come to this place. Our philosophies, our educations, countless. It is a scripture and the scripture alone. Uh, let me read from uh, here. If you have the 1689, we are now in chapter 2 and I'm reading paragraph 3. There are just three paragraphs in chapter 2. The third paragraph reads, in this divine and infinite being we've established already that God is divine and God is infinite. God is not like us. God is incomprehensible. We've looked at the, uh, the attributes of God uh, and then uh, paragraph three is, is, is giving uh, more depth to the uh, or clarity to the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. That's the tri, uh, triune God. So in this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences. The Father, the Word or Son, the Holy Spirit. Of one substance, power, and eternity, each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence undivided. The Father is none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, all infinite. Without beginning, therefore, but one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties, distinguished by several peculiar relative 
properties and personal relations. Which doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on him, unquote. Amen. This doctrine, the confession said, and that's where I will end tonight, this doctrine is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on him. This doctrine, so you must come down to listen. This doctrine, I mean, the goal of theology is to know God. And this God is one in three persons. You must know God. The reason why we sin is that we don't know God. The reason why we trifle with spiritual things is that we don't know God. And in all your learning, in all your getting, make sure you drive yourself and your entire family as much as you can to know God. If all you've known in your life is God, you've known everything. And if you don't know God, how do you communicate, how do you talk to the God that you don't know? Okay. That's where I think I trust God to drive us to. There are some few caveats I want to put before you start asking me some questions that I don't have an answer. Uh, the first thing is that the word Trinity, T-R-I-N-I-T-Y, this word is not found, cannot be found on the pages of the scriptures. I hope you understand that. Trinity, the word Trinity is a deduction uh, from the testimony of the scripture, that the way the scripture describe, describes God shows that God is one, but in three persons. So the technical, the word for that is trinity, triunity. So God is one, three persons. Is that, is that clear? So don't bother yourself to ask me, Pastor, show me where is trinity found in the Bible. I may not be able to show you. Hmm? I will not show you. The second thing is that this ground we are, we are treading, this ground we are treading is mystery. It's mysterious. Remember what you've learned before, that God is incomprehensible. How many of you remember that? That all that God wants us to know about him is just what he allowed us to see on the pages of the scripture. But God is much more than that, isn't it? If even what he has revealed on the pages of the scripture, our human capacity, our finite human capacity cannot fully comprehend. And if God is who the Bible says he is, the creator of this entire universe, I mean the universe, how many, how many galaxies? I mean, how many planets? In our own galaxies, how many? Uncountable. I, I, I usually think, you know, think twinkle, twinkle, little star. I usually think that stars actually twinkle, twinkle, little. Until uh, as I mature, I learned that the star, that one star is actually a planet. Huh? 
that one single star, this one has seen 20, 20, 20 star, is as big as even now the world we are happy to. Have you? What a being that, so if you can understand such a God, it's not a God. If you can put that God into your faculty and, and just get, and then it's okay, you know, God is there, yeah, I know him, it's not God, you know? I used to, I used to bother myself with some worries when some pastors or prophets say, oh, yesterday I was in my bathroom. God, Holy Spirit just walked into my bathroom. Or some people say I was eating and then uh, the Holy Spirit come and sat with me and then we were, were chatting. Or some say uh, I was, Jesus Christ was with me yesterday and we were talking. I say, sure. In what form? So, it, I'm not assuming that at the end of this teaching, I say, ah, no. <laughs> is, is that simple? Oh, thank God we passed out to us now. Now we know. Mm-mm. This is mystery. You have to accept it the way it is given on the pages of the scripture. You, I, I doubt. Even if you understand them by the work of the, by the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, how to even articulate? Sometimes articulation becomes an issue. You you you, you know it. You, you actually you know it, but articulation to to put it into words to say this is this to put them in a the neat category is a difficulty. And I can some of you that read well. This has been an issue through all church history. Okay, <laughs> the confession, uh, the apost- ap- apostolic apostle creed that we recite every Sunday. It's a result of, it's a Christological issue. It's, it's, it's because of all these things that people are kind of are fighting over. And remember, the error that actually brought about this thing was what? For the, the error, the first, first the, the early century errors, error, let me say error, that, that was against the, against Trinity was what? Arian. And what is the technical word for Arianism? What is the understanding of Arian about God? Is it modalism? Arianism is learned from modalism. Arianism is what? Arius. Arius. Um, Arius was influenced by Platonic philosophy. So, and according to Platonic philosophy, God cannot be known. So, Arius said, if Jesus is God, that means God cannot be known. Therefore, Jesus is not God. That's, that was his logic. So, Arius thought that God, the Father, is God. And then, <clears throat> Jesus is the first creature of the Father. And then, the Holy Spirit is the first creation of the Son. So he taught a kind of, they are not of the same essence. The father is the main one. He created the son, and the son created the Holy Spirit. So I think that was, that was the era yeah. of areas. And then, uh, then yeah, yeah, modalism is God is one, but yeah, different modes. Eh? What other heresies? Ducetism. What is that? That's also a Christological, that's a Christological heresy. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a heresy. Uh, yeah. 
any other Trinitarian person that you know? Tritheism. What's that? Hmm? There, are three, there are three separate gods. Other heresies, that's Tritheism, meaning three gods. Other heresy that you know? I think oneness and modalism are, are just like. What's the difference between oneness theology and modalism? Yeah. Okay, that's the difference. Yeah, if not, oneness theology is modalistic. Yeah? Okay, who understands oneness theology? Ima? Do you understand oneness theology? Okay, can you explain? Pass the mic to Ima. Trying to simplify or trying to explain the position of the Trinity mm -hmm. from the position of saying God is one being, but then he appears in three different modes. Yeah. And one of the variants of oneness theology that I've heard from people like Rishaya Kilome or T.D. Jakes. I think T.J. has recounted that, but he was, to a large extent, a modalist, was that there was no Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So they, they are questioning the eternity, uh, eternity of Christ. They're saying there was a time Christ was not, that the only time Christ began to exist was when he was conceived in the womb by the Virgin Mary. So all the Christophanies, uh, all, the, all, all the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament for them, is the address of the Holy Spirit. So they believe that there was God, and then there was the Holy Spirit, and then Christ came into being. It's, it's a mixed match. So these are various heresies out there. And to a large extent, majority churches in, the, in Nigeria where you live are actually oneness, they are oneness in their theology. They, they, they will say, they will mention God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but or, or they, they will be thinking in, in terms of I've given an example for my father. The first time my father taught Trinity, when I was much younger, he gave example of three windows like this. That the, that the Trinity is like this. So in this this window, have three uh, the panels. How do you call that? So you open this one, you open this one, you open this one. There are three windows. <laughs> Essentially, there are three windows here, but it's one it's one one from one window and all that, and. That's how he understood it. That's not, that's not Trinity. Because if you open one window and close the remaining one, you, you can still use it. And, 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 so, uh, and the, the, the missionaries were careful not to confuse the Hausa North, the Muslim North, when they came to preach the gospel. They relied more, okay, before Christianity came to the North of the Niger, the idea of Allah, Islam was in the north much more before uh, Christianity came. So people, the motion came to the, when they came to the north of Nigeria, uh, it was easier for them because they, they, they didn't come to a, a stark, ignorant uh, context of people don't have an idea of who God is. So they saw Muslims as having a measure of understanding of the oneness of God. So most missionaries that walk up the Niger lay more emphasis on the oneness of God without trying to kind of 
shake the apple cart and, this, and offend the Muslims. And this is not to, to, to talk down the missionaries and their work. One of the weaknesses of the missionaries were that they think black people can't understand serious things, complex deductions. So most of our forefathers that the early Christians were not really giving hard theological stuff. It is synthesized, watered down. Uh, okay, God is one, Allah, okay. You, you understand, you understand, okay. So the idea of, you only hear that when they are doing baptism. We baptize in the name of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and then just say, they were, they were not Trinitarian uh, functionally, okay. You just by the way of uh, introduction. Let me ask the children here tonight some few questions from your catechism. Children, are you are you are you listening to me? Yeah? Okay, let me ask you some questions from your catechism. Are there more than one? Are there more gods than one? I can't hear you. Are there more? Are there more gods than one? In how many persons does this one God exist? Who are they? Easy. Maybe I should catechize the adults. To the adults, children, keep quiet now. Let's test your dad and mom. Eh? Are there more girls than one? See, <laughs> see, adults now. Eh? Okay, children, can you let's cross them today so you see your mom and dad can just follow your. Are there more gods than one? In how many persons does this God, one God exist? Who are they? There are three things the confession I want us to learn. There are many, many things we can draw, but we have limited time. There are three things I want to talk about very quickly, and then I will take your question. The first thing that you must learn is that there is one God. There are no three gods. See, in this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences. Subsistence is spelled S-U-B as sub-sistences. Subsistences, sub-S-U-B-S-I-S-T-E-N-C-E-S. Subsistences. The Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit of one substance, power, and eternity, each having their whole divine essence, yet the essence undivided, the Father, and then he, he, uh, the, the, the God is one. And I think that is the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, yeah? Hear you, Israel, the Lord your God is one. And I think in the book of Mark, Christ quoted uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, See, yeah, they say, which one is the greatest commandment? See, uh, the, the, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Light, sit up properly. The Lord your God is one, okay? We, we are not, there are not three gods. There's one, there's but one God. Swallow that one, okay? As by way of, uh, but this one God exists. We've established that in the first paragraph, okay? Let me not bore you with the one God. But, so, but this one God exists in three subsistences. Let me just check. 
How many of you are hearing this word subsistences for the very first time? Raise your hand. If you are hearing subsistence for the very first time. One, two. Okay, nice. I have good company. Sister Olua Botemi, what is subsistence? Can you get a microphone? I'm not exactly sure. I think substances. No, ma. Something like that. Subsistence farming. You did agriculture now. Hmm. Okay. Since Ben didn't raise his hand. Ben, what is subsistences? Um, subsistences could mean um, in there's one God, but he exists in three different persons with different functions. Okay, subsistences, okay? Mm. Yeah, you might want to see something about subsistences. It's like I saw you raise your hand. When you um, support or maintain something for maybe yourself or for yeah. one person. So for so, subsistence farming, <laughs> your Supporting them within food, agriculture for yourself. Don't take it too far. So, uh, there are three subsistences. I think they are just the word persons. I've learned before that Christ have How many natures do you have? Does Christ have? Christ, how many natures? Two natures. How many persons? How many Christs? There's one Jesus, there's one Jesus Christ, or two natures, divine natures and human natures. The, the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit, I'm just, I want to make it, I want to bring it to the, I mean, down, 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 have one nature, one essence. One being. They are God being. It's God being, okay? But three persons. And those three persons are one God. The way you understand substance is God is not like in a mode like, like clay that you can, like, like matter, that you can use it to do different things. God is one. If you, the word sub means what? Under, yeah? It's the, this one being. There are three persons in this one being called God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three of them, they, they are not triplets. One God. Full, this, the Father is fully God. Co-essence. Co-equal. Co-eternal. The Son it's 100% God. It's not like one substance and then one quarter of that substance is called God. And then the other quarter is called Son. Then the other quarter is called the Holy Spirit. They are all fully God. Same power. Same, same eternality. 
same attributes. Let's do some scriptures very quickly. Matthew chapter 3, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew 3, 16 to 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw what? The Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So how many persons do you see? How many, how many subjects? How many, how many persons do you see here now? Jesus, the Son, was coming out from the water. Then there is the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and there was God the Father speaking. So if God is one and appear in three modes, God cannot be in heaven. I'm not, I'm not saying he cannot, but I just want to... God is in heaven, and then the same God is coming out of the water, and then... God is speaking to himself and say, this is my beloved son. And then the Holy Spirit, that is is logically impossible. Let's look at Matthew 28. Verse 19, I think. And I go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So for those who argue with Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I think you can decide that okay. Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Okay? So you can see that there are three persons in this one God. Uh, the, the, okay, there, there, there's, there's one God and there, there, there are three Subsistences, three persons in this one God. Okay, so hmm. Exodus chapter three verse fourteen talks about God say I am who I am. Okay, and then John fourteen eleven talks about John fourteen eleven. Believe uh, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. First uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. First uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. Yet. For us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Okay. 
That is, that is what the confession wants us to understand. There is one God. And this one God exists in three persons. But there is uh, an order in this three person. There is an order in this three person. Uh, in order, order means that the Father is not the Son. There's each having the whole divine essence. Okay, yet the essence undivided. The Father is of none. Okay, the Father was never begotten. The Son begotten by the Father. But this begottedness should not be understood as the way we give birth to children. I, I was begotten of my Father. Uh, is uh, eternal eternal uh, generation, and then the Holy Spirit proceeding from both the Father and the Son eternally. It means there was never a time that there was no Son or Holy Spirit. It's not that God became God on Monday, and after a week He said, "I think I'm lonely. Let me be God's a Son to keep me company," and then much later. God the Father and God the Son came together and then generates an energy called the Holy Spirit. And then from both of them, the energy now proceeds. What the confession is saying is, if there was a time that God never exists, that is impossible. God has always existed. But if there was a day that God came into being, he came into being as Father Son and the Holy Spirit. The order, not even the issue of uh, function now, the order of this uh, uh, Godhead is that the Father will always, the Son is the begotten of the Father. The Father begot the Son or begot the Son. And then the Holy Spirit is always proceeding from the Father and the son. So the son is not the father. There are declared distinctions. They are not identical twins. They are not triplets. They have clear distinction that the father is the father. The father was, no, no one, no one is of none. None ever sent the father. The father always sent the son and the Holy Spirit proceed out of the father and the son. But they are all infinite Without beginning, therefore, but one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being. There's no division in their nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relations. So there are, there's a distinguished uh, uh, marker in this Godhead. So let's read Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. Proverbs 8 from verse 22 forward. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, and these are quite uh, Christological. The first of his acts of old, and then that's where <laughs> mistake, if you're not very careful, if you are not very careful, this word like Christ being the first begotten of, of God or the first of his acts of old, 
ages ago, I was set up uh, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depth, I was brought forth. When there were no spring abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with his field or the first of his dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a cycle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea his limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, alongside him, like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before, his, before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. I don't know if you can recite that of head, but let's read from the scripture. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John chapter 3, verse 16. That he gave the son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? John 15, 26. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So he's talking about the procession of the Holy Spirit, said from the Father, also said from the Son. Uh, John 16, verse 28. The book of John is full of uh, this idea. John 16, verse 28. I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father, to the Father distinct from the Son. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. You are not opening your Bible. You are cheating. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And finally, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. About the fullness of time. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. So there is one God in three persons, three subsistence. Sorry, I don't want to bore with the, all this, all the debate and all these homoousios uh, or ousias and all that, please. There are children here. I, I'm repeating this in a very normal way. So that this is not a theological class, eh? There is one God, three persons. These three persons are but one God. Their essence are undivided, fully God. The Father is 100% God. The Son is 100% God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. The Son is not subservient to the Father. The Son is not a small God. The Holy Spirit is not just a breeze that when the Father and Son are talking, there is carbon dioxide or other call what you believe in and breathe. They are not, it's not just a mist that comes out of the nostril of the Father of the Son. It's a person. And you can look at their different properties and their distinguishing mark as seen from all the scriptures that we have read. God sent the Son, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And the final thing, the confession, what us understand is that. This doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God. What does that mean? It means God is a relational God. God, the God of the Bible, is not Allah, who is detached from reality, who is alone and cannot be known. And I think it's Jonathan Edwards that talks about God has always lived in in unity, in, 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 in harmony, in love and relationship with himself. If God is a God of love, how was that love expressed if God is a lone God? So between, there is, there is this, what they call the dance of the Trinity, the Father, the Father delights in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. The, but there's a, there's, there's a communion that is going on between the Godhead. And it's a joyful communion. So when we talk about love, that's an example of, of human love. Secondly, we pray, we pray to God by the Holy Spirit through the Son. When we go on our knees or when we stand to pray before God, who is helping us to pray? 
the Holy Spirit. He indwelt the believers. So he, he is the one that knows the mind of the Father. John 16. He said, the Spirit search the things of you know, uh, the Father. Uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, all the things that is the Father is mine. And then the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and then applies it to you. And in another place, the Spirit knows the depth, the such is the heart of the Father. He knows the deep things of God. So we don't really know how to pray. It is the Spirit that makes intercession on our behalf. So he, he prays through us. He helps us to pray accurately, appropriately. And then we pray through Christ to God. You see, there's the Trinity in our functionality, in the place of prayer, in the place of worship. And it is the foundation of all our communion with God and our comforts. That is what the, the Lord wants us to learn about this doctrine very quickly. I've just given you the kind of basic explanation. There's nothing from out of the space. I don't want to bamboozle you with all the big grammar out there. But let me take one or two questions, maybe point of clarification or some kind of uh, something you want to add and add on before we close tonight. Sister Fire came yes. Question. Um, I want to ask, is it possible to err on um, our doctrine of Christ, not Trinity now, but uh, in Christology that maybe the person of the nature of Christ, mm -hmm. can it be excused that because of our fallen nature, we may have a, a defected view of Christ and uh, maybe people had issues with the nature of Christ that, okay, maybe Christ was only God or Christ was only man or something like that or he, he was um, something like uh, an error in um, our view of Christ. Is it possible to be saved while having that error? Can it be excused that, okay, because we are falling, that's why we're having that error or something like that? Is it first John? Well, let me just, is yes or no? So, somebody can be saved and err grievously on these doctrines. One, depending on the kind of church the person belongs to. Okay, maybe there are some people that are vernacular speakers, they don't even know how to read Bible for themselves. And it's possible to hold that view for some time. But if you are part of a very a local church that is alive to their responsibility, and then they are teaching you, that process should win you off your error. That is if you are willing to learn and unlearn what you think you have held over the years. It's possible to be a Christian and err grievously on these matters. It becomes an issue when you conscientiously hold to your view and say whatever anybody is going to say, whatever the scriptures say, I'm not going to listen. It shows that you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because the first job of the Holy Spirit when he endured a man is to do what? Is to reveal who? Is to reveal who? Christ. The Holy Spirit will not reveal a disjointed Christ to a believer. He will reveal Christ to you as Christ 
is. And I think I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the passage now that said, any spirit that denied that Christ comes in the flesh. It's first John. Sorry. Any, guys, help me if you can. It has that John is your, is your backyard, eh? Chapter 4 of 1 John. Verse what? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Which you heard was coming to the, uh, a nice name like that. So if you, if, you, if you hold that Christ is just a man, is, is a point of heresy. If you hold that Christ is just God and you deny his humanity, the humanity of Christ is as important as his divinity. It is the point of heresy, grievous heresy that will warrant excommunication. You will not stay in the church if you hold that view, meaning you, you have read the Bible clearly. You have come to Bible study, you have looked at all this and said, no, Christ is just but a man. He's a special man. God, God made him his son at his baptism. You hear that error. It was at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came upon him that he became the son of God. Or at his ascension or whatever. So people just, and look at, when we are in the book of Proverbs, that Proverbs was quite uh, Christological. If you are not doing your biblical study carefully and taking, like when you say, I was, I, was his, I was the first of his creation. And you are not careful to make sure you look at the entire body of the scripture and put them together. You are going to, you are going to confess that Christ was actually, was actually a created being. And some people who hold that Christ was the junior brother to Lucifer. Yeah? Who is the senior brother? Lucifer or Christ? That's the, that should be Mormon or Jordanist. No, Mormon. That said Christ was the younger brother of Lucifer. But it's a special creation. Some people really want to hold on to the deity of Christ, but they want to deny his being eternal. Yes, Ima, you want to say something? Does that mean oneness theology does not um, mean excommunication from the church? It does. See, what we are saying is that, let me just use some a, a, a young believer, for example. How much do you know of the Trinity when you came to the faith? First week, second week, third week. All of us, they have had a disjointed view of the Holy Spirit, even while we were saved. We thought the Holy Spirit is just like, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin would say, if it's not moving, you move him. That you can just mechanically work into your, your, your life. We, we have had views, wrong views about angels. We have had wrong views about, it's possible for a preacher to say something like this. In fact, most, most times, we condemn people, condemn some preacher when they're in their bad days. It's for this, do not have to be so careful to, not to give an example. When you are teaching this kind of, you are doing this kind of issue of God, and you start using some human example, 
People are going to move away from just say, uh, pastors say God is like this. And then they come to the pastor. So if you if there's a oneness theologian in this church, and maybe he's coming from that kind of environment, he's still holding, you still you you disciple him. But if he's a qualified professor of theology from a well-known seminary, and he's a oneness theologian, and he comes to this church to worship, we, we indulge him until he start opening his mouth to counter the uh, Trinitarian theology, and he's now trying to share that with people. That's where we we'll just we kick him out. But if he's, he's okay, I'm actually I'm a, I'm a oneness theologian, but I want to learn. We we have to keep quiet and learn. Yeah, it's it's a point of excommunication, but be very careful how you you damn people easily, eh? because you are meeting him for the very first time and you're complaining your heart as a heretic. Yeah, and you don't know his. His story and journey. Yes, online. Yeah, so. Who is Axel? GB. Okay. Uh, please throw more light on the matter of the eternal subordination of the Son to the Father. Hmm. <laughs> That idea of subordination is a big field. Uh, okay, who who understands who, 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 what the question is? Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. Ima points, Ima points. Well, okay. You have an idea. Elijah had an idea. Ima, why are you pointing at people? So that I won't point to you. You have no idea. What what is eternal subordination? This the the other what's that? Wow. What I don't get is 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 this, is this eternal subordination? Is that question actually correct? Is Christ eternally subordinated to the Father? That's another thing. Yeah. Because if we argue co-equal, co-eternal and they are infinite. I think the mystery, Christ taking up human flesh, when it when has to do with the functional aspect of the Trinity, then that's where Christ at least became subordinated to the Father in terms of um, salvation and redemption of man. Yeah. So if you argue eternal um, subordination, I'm not too sure about that. I think you can argue for subordination in terms of redemption, the functional aspect of the Trinity. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, because it seems it seems simple. Until we begin to, yeah. I think John Owen also believed in the eternal subordination of the soul. Somehow, they somehow bring it out of the writings of Owen, and then some popular Trinitarian gurus like Bruce Ware. Bruce Ware would believe in the eternal subordination of the son. Wayne Gruden would believe that the son is eternally subordinated to the father, and it's not just an a functional thing like to be seen in our redemption. But when you see Jesus saying, what my father is doing, what my father is saying, I, it seems I as do, if yeah. Jesus is saying he's always subordinated. So the, the problem is how someone can reconcile uh, that we're talking about co-equal beings in the Trinity and yet their subordination. And so the person tells you it's possible for there to be co-equal beings and yet subordination. 
uh, in terms, I, I don't know. Sometimes the appeal is made to marriage, although everybody claims that. Okay, so for example, the man and woman, they are both um, they are both equal in terms of being uh, equal. They are they are both images they are, of God. They are being. Yes, in their being, they are imago dei, both of them. But even despite the fact that they are equal, the man is always the head. So, like you go to First Corinthians eleven, that Christ, Christ is the head of the church, and God is the head of Christ. And he's not talking about Christ on earth. It seems to be pointing to an eternal. So it's like a serious, it's a serious issue. Yeah, actually, uh, GB, I I sat under the lecture which where. And I, I bought his book is in here about these things. Personally, I have not been able to bring myself to that point. I, I, I disagree with uh, him carefully because these guys are, are well read. Uh, but I think I'm comfortable with looking at the economy of Trinity as it relates to our redemption. That uh, when it comes to God's plan to save us, Christ humble himself and take the place of, of a servant just for us. It does even that even that subordination does not in any way diminish his godness in per second. He is equal with God. And the classical scripture people don't say is that uh, God uh, Christ was to, to call himself, is it Colossian? To call himself equal with God. Colossians 2. Sorry, Philippians, Philippians 2. That to call himself equal with God was, was not something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Now, that's another wrong Christ emptied himself of what? There are some people that held that Christ emptied himself of his deity. And then, what he knows why in the body was mediated to him by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the more we get into this thing now, you go home con- more confused. Eh? GB. Eternal subordination is is, 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 is is a big field of, of, of a lot of controversy uh, that may not benefit the church in the long run. But for you and I, and Eliezer that spent time around Owen, uh, you can, you can uh, but it's good that some of you have an, even the faith idea. You cannot take your phone now and Google subordinationism or whatever, and then 1,000 different books will pop up. And then you, you don't even know which one where to lean on. But I don't think the scripture teaches eternal subordination of the Son. Okay? The same way that God is the author of every, God is the creator of everything. And whatever comes to be, God ordains it, yet it's not the author of sin. You have to understand that, that even the fall in the, in the Eden was ordained by God, yet God is not the author of sin. So it's, it, that's, that's how you could understand the, the, the redemption uh, framework, uh, 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 economy. Even though God knows that uh, there's going to be fallen human race and God is going to redeem them from eternity, it does not make it look like because Christ was going to humble himself in time for the salvation of people, therefore he has always been subordinated to the Father. The distinction that the confession is trying to make is there, that God the Father is God the Father. We never see, we never see him being sent 
He remains the God the Father. The Son is begotten of the Father. And you, you don't switch, you don't say, okay, because they are co equal or coessence. Uh, uh, today's Monday, God the Father takes the role of God the Son, and God the Son takes the role of the Father. They, they don't switch roles. They remain in their distinction, the, the distinction in their persons are kept intact. Okay. So I think we should not, the rabbit hole is so deep, eh? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Now, the question is that as we close tonight, okay, is there anything? Have I left out? Okay, Ben, sorry. Now, yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask if you can explain the, the clear difference between oneness theology and the Trinity. Okay, oneness theology is saying God is one, God the Father is one and alone, like one eternally. Okay? Jesus Christ, his son, came along in time. That he, 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 he that Jesus Christ, actually, some of these things can be a spectrum, okay? Depending on who you are following. For instance, let me just, one of the pop, uh, popular guy, T.D. Jakes, he said, just because was a man, okay? But God made him special. But now, he's now deified. The same way Catholic who said, Holy Mary now is, is like a kind of God in heaven interceding on our behalf. So what one is saying is that there was no Christ in the Old Testament. Or actually, we believe that, that there was no cross in the Old Testament. Benihin will believe that. Tidijes will believe that. Tidijes have changed his mind once and switched back and switched back. I don't know where he stands. I don't know where he stands. I don't need him anymore. But they believe that Christ was not eternal. That there was a time Christ was not. And there was a time he became. But from when he became, when the Holy Spirit generated him, in the womb of Mary, he became God from that point onward. You understand that now? So there will be no coercence. The, the idea of coercential and uh, whatever. I don't know how they want to fuse that back now and make the Trinity. So they, they are not Trinitarian. So Jesus Christ is in heaven. They believe he's in heaven as God and he will come back. But don't make him look like him and God are like one essence, one eternal, one whatever, whatever. But what Trinity is saying is that from the beginning, 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 from, 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 from eternity, God, the one God, exists as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Co-essence, co-equal, co-eternal, same power, same glory, same worship is due. Okay. Ima. Question or contribution? Contribution. Please. Yes. I also wanted to add as well. I thought um, oneness theology also meant that um, when viewing God, you view God as one being who manifests in the form of Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a modalistic aspect of, 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 of that. Yes. So that is what is more prevalent in Nigeria, especially in the North. Hmm. So maybe that will help his 
definition. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the word spectrum, depending on who you are listening to. I've just quoted the, those one who I've heard clearly say that. I've mentioned them. But there are some who are also modalists. Uh, modalists, the, 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 the current version of modalism is, one, is also in one theology. Say so God is one. In the Old Testament, he appeared as the Father. In the New Testament, he came to us as the Son, the same God. And then now, it's not the Holy Spirit working, it's the same one God. Yeah, and the Bible clearly denies that. Okay, it's as if God is in heaven, and then he was the one in the water, at the same time, he's the dove that is, so that, that's, that's, uh, that that's nonsense. They are just, they are in the same basket. In fact, the modalism is even worse. Modalism is saying there was, there's no even Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's just one thing bearing the same name. Today is Ochel, tomorrow is the same Ochel. Tomorrow Ochel now carry a mask face, uh, it's a mask. He must mask, and then he's, he bear a mask, and then next tomorrow carry Joshua mask, say Joshua. It's just same, same Ochel. The, the, the Trinity we are saying that this God, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, coessence, but there are, are three distinct persons in the Godhead, undivided. The Father is never sent, the Father was not hanging on the cross, the Father sent the Son. The Father initiates the work of redemption, the, work, the Son carries out the work of redemption, and then the Holy Spirit applies the work of redemption to our hearts and they are working together. You can never, under, there's no diagram. There's no diagram that can explain this. People have tried. If you Google now and say Trinity diagram, there'll be thousands. Tango, there's no diagram here. Elijah, is there anything here? Tango, there's no, it's only T here. Yes. This thing you are seeing, they're human beings. This uh, GB and his friend, David, that do this. Okay, this is, and this is uh, uh, to me looking at each other through the eyes of the cross. Okay. Sir. Yes. Let's sit down, sit down. Sit down. Okay. In John 10 30, Christ referred to himself and God as one. I say, I and my father are one. And when he prayed, he normally he referred to him as. Father, I see they are one. Is there anything like hierarchy in this thing? That's what I've been saying since, since morning. Hmm? That's what I've been saying since morning. There's nothing like hierarchy. Understand it as economy. They are function. They are one. The son and the father are one. One essence. What is essence? Maybe I've not even defined essence. Being, I mean, they are, they are nature. They are one, but the way they walk, the father is doing one thing, the son is doing something else. But they are not working across purposes. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's like you and Pastor Fred, uh, you and Brother Fred are one. Brother Fred carry chair, and then you carry fan. I think we are done now. Is that question? Okay, leave that till next week, eh? Yeah, we are out of time now. Now, the, the, my 
concluding thought is, are you a Christian? See, if you're not a Christian, you don't know this. These things are known in the realm of your relationship with Christ Jesus. When we talk about having a personal relationship with Christ Jesus, it's at that point illuminations are given to you. Because you are claiming that you have God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you. Who is teaching you? Who is you may not you may not you may not have the capacity to articulate it, but it's, it's there. The truth is so evident in your heart. How many of you know something, but you don't really it's as if you know something, but you don't really know something? That's the tension. You live in that tension between you, you really know it's true, but it's something you cannot really put your finger. But as you commune with the Holy Spirit, you know when you are saying Father, when you say Father, and you say I pray in Jesus' name, what are you affirming? And you know that there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that convicts you, that comforts you, that controls you, that leads you, that guides you, hear his voice. Through the scriptures, you will know. You won't be in error. There's no way the Holy Spirit will stand you in error. He won't lead you to error. Anytime a Christian, one of the quarrels I had with Benny Hinn was that last year or the other year, he came out and said he is wrong. I said, how come you, you, you held this view for 28 years and the Holy Spirit never speak? And this is not a simple, minor, Theological point. This is a major point in your ministry. 28. So if you stand in an error for too long, it shows that you have not met the Lord. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Christ. Of course, if you stay in a congregation, a church, that is obviously blaspheming God. Sometimes a congregation will amplify the God the Father and diminish the God, uh, uh, God the Son. Hmm? You know, there's one, I don't want to use the word stupid song that sing in the one of the church I've pastored before. The day women are very happy. They start between local drum. I go make Nyanga, oh, I go make God, now my papa Jesus, now my brother Holy Ghost, now my director. You know, <laughs> that's the way people blaspheme the name of God. Or you go to a church where they invite a comedy, an Akpororo, who, who will use Holy Spirit and do and rub on the ground. And then you are comfortable and say, to, maybe you kill Jesus. No. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to be comfortable. I've told you before, I went to Ayangba recently and on a Sunday, and I, I was going for one, between 9 to 11, I tried about four churches. I couldn't stay. I tried my best. To say, I just said, sit down, don't be proud. I could not. And somebody said, the Holy Spirit say what was never in the contemplation of the Holy Scriptures. When the, the Holy Spirit is even predicting who will win election next year. Right now, we have two pastors in the APC, on the, on the APC ground there. And both have received ordination from their village that God spoke to them that they are the next president. And Bakari even said clearly that God told him that he's the 16th president. 
What if it did not happen next year and he's not a sixty president? He has lied against the Holy Spirit. Should not honor him. Should not regard him in your heart. The doctrine of one God in three persons is the foundation of all genuine communion with God. The God of one leg cannot be the God of the Bible. The God of the Muslims cannot be the God of the Bible, cannot be the living God. The living God is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks through us to the Father, through the Son. Every prayer, every communion that is not conducted by the Holy Spirit is idolatry. If my prayer is not an outflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if my prayer and my evangelism and the work I do for God is not an outflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God through Christ, it is never acceptable to God. A time is coming and it is now. That those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. If it is not by the Holy Spirit to God the Father through the work of God the Son, it is not Christianity. It is idea. It's our own religious idea. Give it a different name. And I pray all of you here will be conscious of this. That I am the worshiper of a triune God. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because of the work of Christ, he has sent the Holy Spirit to live in my heart. I am not a small God, but I am but a human being who is having God living in me by mercy. It humbles me. I'm not going to put my hands and say, do you know I have the Holy Spirit? I carry the Holy Spirit. I carry the Holy Spirit. No. Humble say, God, how dare you live? How, how could you live in my heart? Knowing my sinfulness and my weakness and my... How you live in my heart? This is the ground. This is the ground, the foundation of all communion with God. If it is not this, it's not the God of the Bible. Either he's walking, it's not the God of the Bible. The God of our forefathers, not the God of the Bible. Allah Dura. Uh, Ovatala, uh, call their names. Uh, you remember they have all kinds of things. Shongo, the god of thunder. Uh, Ogun, uh, Olu. What's the Olu? Olu. What's the bigger one? The, the final one. Olodumare. Olu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. But that yeah, yeah, that, that's the name. That Olodumare. That's the that's the that is and then the supreme deity. The supreme deity, and then the Igbo will say uh, chi, the chuku, chuku, the, the. It's, it's. If, if, if you are so limited to that point, uh, you, you, your knowledge about God is deficient. You must see God as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit eternally. And our redemption is not an accident. Walked from eternity. He sent his son to redeem us. And he has sent his spirit to live in our hearts. Amen. Oops. Now, it's getting hotter now. By next week, we move to the decrees of God. I, 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 I think Oche should teach that one. So I can hide eh? the decrees of God. That's where we'll be going next week, Tuesday. Let me remind you of our conference on Saturday. 11th 
So there's a conference. Please bring people in. Do you have more flyers left? I don't know. You can take some flyers with you and share and invite people. Call your friends on phone. Uh, some of you are friends on Facebook. I didn't, I'm not seeing you sharing our flyers on your Facebook, on Facebook wall or on your Instagram or whatever. Share. We have a video uh, advert for the group. Share. I want to see you share them and share them on a daily basis. And trust God that God will bring people here on Saturday to hear him speak to our hearts. Yeah. I pray that you will be faithful to God in doing so. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray that you bless your people as we depart from this house with great measure of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us our sin, and I pray that you magnify Christ to us, even tonight, much more than ever before, through the work of the Holy Spirit. We know you can do these things much more than we can think and imagine. Lord, keep your people safe in this city. There are a lot of movement around because of uh, political uh, conventions. A lot of Christians are in this city. A lot of believers are in this city. Father, keep them safe from injuries, from, from temptations, from Satan. Uh, and for many Christians who are under pressure around the country, particularly the Catholics that were uh, murdered on Sunday in, the, in our town, uh, bring peace to that community and uh, pray that genuine Christians will see life beyond the now and will not make matters worse. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to love our enemies and pray for those who are doing these things. So we bring Boko Haram before you tonight, all the members of Boko Haram. We bring Iswap before you tonight, all the members of Iswap. We bring all these bandits and, uh, and even some of the unknown gunmen that are killing people, that are beheading people across the land. Lord, these people, you created them. They are in your hands. Be merciful to them, Lord. Lord, we know they are doing these things in ignorance. Some of them think they are serving you. Some of them are just for selfish gains. Lord, we pray that you encounter them. Let it be conversion. Let it be miracles, miraculous encounters in their camps that they will come to the faith. Lord, we pray that you will not rain judgment on them. Be merciful the way you were merciful to us and bring them to the faith. And in the meantime, Lord, pray for the Christian community in this country to bear the pressure that these persecutions and this terrorism brings upon the church and your witness. Keep us safe, Lord, and help us to be a genuine and living witness in this uh, period. Lord, we thank you, God, for uh, Abraham and Lemuel and Anna. Lord, it's just like yesterday, like two years now, that stuff left. We thank you for how you kept them and Anna and Lemuel and the entire family. Lord, as they, are, uh, they look back for the last two years of, of your goodness, we pray that you bless their heart and grant them much more peace. And we pray this night as we go home that you grant us safety and bless our dinner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good night. See you on Friday.